Hello and welcome to another episode of Throwdown, an action cinema podcast, where we take you through every decade and every corner of the world of action cinema. I'm one of your hosts, Jack. I'm here as always with my friend and co-host, Vaughn. Hey Jack, how's it going today? All good, all good mate. And today we are talking about Cold Harvest, directed by Isaac Florentine from the year 1999. Yes. So Isaac Florentine is a director that we're both we're both pretty big fans of. He works in that director video world, hasn't really had that sort of push to larger films in recent years, but we both came to him from very similar sort of areas. We both watched his um, undisputed movies, the, the the trilogy of of movies in the sort of prison boxing circuit that he took over, and um, his U.S. was it U.S. Seals Navy Ultimate? <laughs> I always yeah, let's the name see. Of it. Uh, U.S. Seals Two: The Ultimate Force. <laughs> there we go. Great and, title. But yeah. So what is it that drew you to Isaac Florentine in general? I think it was basically through Scott Adkins um, and and exploring his filmography. Obviously, we talked about him in our Avengement episode. Um, so go ahead and check that one out if you haven't listened to it yet. But yeah, definitely just going through the, the Scott Adkins filmography. And I did start watching... I was mostly interested in the later Undisputed film starring Scott Adkins, so I started watching the franchise because he doesn't appear until the second the movie, I think. second or third? He's, he's kind of like a secondary character in the second movie, and then he Yeah, he's kind of like the, the, the villain. The main character, and then he, yeah. He be- yeah. It's Michael J. White in, in that. that. Yeah. Is, is he in the first one at all? He's in the second one, and then Scott Adkins as Boykia. As, yeah. Um, the yeah, sort of undis- antagonist there. Yeah, and Undisputed 3 is, like, one of my favorite, like, just, undis- like, uh, DTV action movies. There's some phenomenal mm. action sequences in that. And also a big fan of uh, the Ninja films are really great, too. Yeah, I really like those Ninja films. Um, Ninja 2, Shadow of a Tear or Shadow yeah, of a Tear. Great, great, great. Unsure. I'm going to go with Tear. <laughs> Te- makes, makes more sense, more I think. Sense. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, um, similarly, watched all, watched all those Undisputed movies and, and really, like, again was looking for some adkins action and then realized that this this guy florentine was working on all of them so was dipping through his okay there's a... hey brief barney interruption uh, yeah brief barney cameo there um but yeah going through those undisputed movies led me to to, to seeing that isaac isaac florentine was you know the director of most of them and just leading me into more of those Scott Adkins collaborations like Ninja and Ninja 2 and trying to trying to get into some of those later period ones like Seized and Close Range, which, yeah. are, which are okay, but they're more like gun focused. And I really think Isaac Florentine thrives when he's working like hand-to-hand action combat. Definitely, yeah, yeah. Which is why you got the, that film, U.S. Seals Two: The Ultimate Force, has a great hook of the there these these seals on a like a weaponized island that is rigged to explode if they use like uh, any like guns military, at all. Yeah, any so sort they have of to go ammo, live ammo. <laughs> they have to go like swords, crossbows, and conventional <laughs> things and martial arts. And I'm like, yep, that's a great hook. I'm so in. So I wanted to bring a a film to the podcast this week that you hadn't seen, but was from yeah. a, from a director that you were pretty familiar familiar with and it stars stars a couple people that you're probably familiar with as well just as the a fan of the genre and a fan of genre cinema as well so we've got gary daniels who has he's popped up 
throughout sort of action cinema in the past 20, 30 years, most notably for us, I would say the, the film Blood Moon. Oh, yeah, the, great uh, movie. serial killer martial arts epic. But also... Um, He's played alongside people like Jackie Chan, and we talked in the last episode in City Hunter. I mean, he pops up in The Expendables, but Cold Harvest is 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 for for me a, a Gary Daniels vehicle. I think he's really fun in this for the most yeah. part. But but you're asking, dear listener, what is Cold Harvest? What is Cold Harvest about? Well, it has been several years since a meteor collided with Earth. An unknown virus has caused havoc across the world, and city streets are now war zones. We get a great narration sort of opening crawl there. But we're led into what is basically a Mad Max-esque post-apocalyptic western. Like, it's a real gunslinger town of a movie. Like, you, you basically have a bounty hunter played by Gary Daniels in this setting. Um, in a, trying to get through a post-apocalyptic landscape to protect a woman played by the the great Barbara Crampton, Absolutely. who is now this is things where get, things get weird. Car- who is carrying his dead twin's child? The dead twin, also played by Gary Daniels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, on paper, it doesn't sound like it's going to be you know a, a very manageable sort of film. And then we're introduced to uh, Brian. Oh, I think is it Janice Brian Genesey. <laughs> Yeah, I'm Genesee? Go I don't know. It's something Genesee? like that. Brian Genesee? I'm gonna think, yeah, Who plays Genesee. Little Ray, which is a, a great name Little for Ray your villain. Little Ray is a great name for your villain, um, who's playing this very much like Western villain cliche, I feel. Definitely. He is like this, this goateed man, spaghetti Western coded badass. He's got a couple like clunky bits of dialogue and snarly, snarky dialogue, but I think he offers up a great sort of antagonist role to Gary Daniels' protagonist. I think they have quite a, a, a good chemistry between the two of them. They bounce off of each other quite nicely. Yeah, I think it's great because it does the kind of Mad Max thing of kind of making the villain into this sort of mythical figure, but mm-hmm. because his name is Little Ray, it just means that every character in the movie is constantly kind of whispering about Little Ray and like, <laughs> Little Ray. we have to go get Little Ray and Little Ray's, yeah. you know, coming for us. It's kind of <laughs> like, yeah, it goes back to like, this, like the, the old sort of Wild Wild West stories of being like, oh no, it's Billy the Kid. It's like, yeah. that, as, as, as you know, out of context, is such a, a boring, silly name, but in context, it can be sort of a ruthless figure and a name to be f- hit for feared and lurked from from the shadows but um we've got barbara crampton who is we call her a scream queen kind of a scream queen she's a, so. a horror a horror staple horror icon a, yeah for sure yeah reanimator in the the stuart gordon verse and mm-hmm. she's been in a couple of those puppet masters for all you puppet master heads out there <laughs> i think it's just um, you no it's just me i'm just <laughs> talking to myself at this point <laughs> But yeah, I really like this movie because it is—it's a blend of things I enjoy, and it's—it's it's knowingly a blend of them. So like, definitely, it's obviously there's a ton of visual nods to spaghetti westerns and especially like Sergio Leone stuff, like the Dollar Trilogy, The Man with No Name. That's sort of what Gary Daniels is going for here. He's got sort of like channeling Clint Eastwood. If Clint Eastwood was like really trained in like MMA and martial right. arts <laughs> and flips and stuff, which those Dollar movies don't really have a lot of. But um, yeah, there's a lot of visual references to uh, classic spaghetti westerns, and you you meld that with the production design of like a relatively cheap post-apocalyptic landscape, 
and then you add in the 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 main meat of this soup analogy which i've just started making uh, <laughs> and which is all the the ridiculously good choreographed hand-to-hand yeah. action a lot of glass breaking a lot of cars on fire and it's just i think it's a really really fun movie it's really cool. It's I think it feels like out of the Isaac Florentine films I've seen, it feels like the mm-hmm. most, at least production wise, it feels like the most ambitious. Like a lot of his stuff mm-hmm. is is pretty pared down because obviously they're cheaper DTV productions. And so like the Undisputed, it's pretty much kind of confined to like this prison setting and the ninja movies have a little bit more diversity, but they're still pretty simple in terms of the the set pieces. But this is like you've got these these big apocalyptic sets and you've got like cars flipping and exploding and you've got stuff that feels very much like it was created for the film to create this kind of Mad Max setting that's kind of yeah Mad Max Western and it's a great combination of things it really does end up feeling it's it's ambitious and, and it gets becomes endearing even though it's it's pretty clearly cheap at the same time mm-hmm. um yeah it definitely feels like it's his most like purposely designed movie yeah like it, it feels like because you're, you're you're doing this thing where it, i think it's set off in the far distant future of like 2010 or something ridiculous oh, but sure. <laughs> you're you're designing it as this this post-apocalyptic landscape and you're not just using locations you can find you are purposely like dressing them to feel lived in and feel worn down at the same time i think it was shot somewhere in like south africa so you have if they found oh, okay. this, this sort sense. of location to base it in and then dressing it as this sort of like disheveled and worn like wartime post-apocalyptic landscape and it's not a lot of sets i think there's probably like three or four actual yeah, locations I, I, but he gets a think... lot out of it and just like being able to shoot around it and move through it mm-hmm. and like he kind of designs it to be kind of backtracked through a lot so you can kind of yeah they move forward but then you got to go back to get this done and so you kind of move through those sets but because they're all I very like well that, designed yeah. you you don't really feel it just, like it's you too confined you get, a, you get a sense of like the the local geography of the whole yeah, place, yeah. and it feels like again akin to an old western where you are just setting it in one sort of dead end town or right. whatever but you get to you get to get a feel for the land um, throughout the whole film just on how he shoots it and how much he's backtracking through these different locations and also sort of like the versatility of the action throughout because it's not like we're just okay let's go punch and kick each other in this room let's go punch and kick each other in this <laughs> room there is such a, a variety throughout I feel yeah I mean like you said when there's there's kind of two different modes of a lot of Florentine stuff where you get the more recent stuff where it feels more gun focused and mm-hmm. it's kind of like playing off of the the John Wick train and you get yeah, some of the, so, the, yeah. uh, the older stuff which is much more hand-to-hand focused and this is kind of a blend of those different things you get a lot of great hand-to-hand combat but you also get some some fun shootout sequences and there's a lot of wires and people flipping around and flying everywhere which is always a blast to see not very well hidden wires but they're they're great anyway nah, yeah I, I appreciate wires <laughs> I do too. And i'm like yeah if you're not going to scrub through a film and digitally edit them out i'm fine with that <laughs> you know you're, you can wear your wear your influences on your sleeve you can show me your wires i'm fine i'm not a, i'm not a child thinking this is actually happening <laughs> like right. i understand that this is a movie but you know um but yeah it's sort of rooted in that hong kong style of how Definitely. the action is framed like the performers are so well trained and the, the action i'll get onto the choreographer in a bit but how the action is framed and shot florentine like utilizes the edit to keep that sense of movement and kinetic energy throughout we're not just letting these fights go on 
um, like unhindered just from one static shot. He's moving around, he's putting emphasis on fights and movement and action and reaction by cutting to different angles and different spots in the room, just giving it a, giving it more sort of like a, a weight and a heft. And it's never like overly distracting. Right. He's not like really, really sort of cutting up the footage to make it like unwatchable. It, it just feels like natural to how that these performers are attacking and um, defending themselves. There's just a, a nice balance, I find there yeah i think there's there's a a hard middle ground to sort of strike in this kind of action where you run the risk of if you're just focusing purely on the action then it becomes dull and you kind of lose out on the ability to make it more dynamic if you're just showing an unbroken shot of the action for too long and if you're overcutting obviously then it just feels like you haven't done enough work on the choreography itself to let that shine so it definitely does feel like it's taking notes out of that that hong kong book of like you need to be making sure that you're showing full actions in each shot but also keeping the the camera dynamic and moving around in the space and and cutting between different things in different locations so that it, you you get a sense of that movement along with the uh, the great choreography of it and it's just trying to re- reflect and sort of um, enhance the storytelling as well. Like, if you just have these long breaths out scenes, which I think Florentine does have in some of his other movies, um, but he's not not afraid to just cut things up and sort of make a make a, co- a coherent set piece and make yeah. a set piece have a story to it. You know, you have uh, you know the underdog and the guy on top at the same point, and you're trying to work out how the actual narrative thrust of this fight or this action sequences is going to play out. Right. I think he's really good at that. Yeah, he does a great job of, of putting all that together, and it's kind of the same with some of the other stuff that we've talked about in Love. Like, it doesn't ever really feel like it's taking too much of a breath like you're mm-hmm. you're constantly moving from set piece to set piece and i think like i think the silliness of the world kind of helps like where when you are yeah. in between set pieces you're kind of enjoying the the burned out landscapes and the the cool set design that they've managed to uh, to put together or like the these little like buggy things that they've got for this <laughs> this post-apocalyptic world it doesn't take it this far, but it reminded me in part of uh, Shoot 'Em Up from like 2007 oh, yeah. or whatever. Where, it's on where my it's list like, for us to talk about. <laughs> oh, thank God, because it's on my list too. Um, but <laughs> it's um, like knowingly having fun with what it's doing, and it knows that what it's doing is is taking extremes and it's sort of pushing genre um, like ideas and conventions to their na- like natural limit, like combining western kung fu showdowns into these little little set pieces here um and a lot of it i think is down is down to florentine and how he directs but it's also down to the the choreographer at hand here um it'll be someone that you're maybe you don't you don't know by name but you'll know their work okay so the action was here was choreographed by akihiro noguchi who is a Mm. japanese director and actor who has worked on a ton of stuff that we on this podcast are fans of okay so from from more florentine movies like those ninja movies um some of his early stuff like special forces and savat to a couple of steve wang movies including guyver dark hero and of course 
source, a Vaughn favourite that we're <laughs> bound to cover at some point, Drive from 1997. No, Absolutely. not the Ryan Gosling Drive, the good Drive, the better Drive. The drive, best drive very much on my list as well, of course. Yeah, it, we will absolutely go through probably Steve Wang's entire filmography because he's only got about three or four yeah. movies under his belt, um, which is a shame because, yeah, he's really, really fun. But um, Akihiro Noguchi has also worked on like stunt teams and second okay. unit directing for a ton of Power Rangers-related projects. Oh, interesting. Um, which is how I imagine him and Isaac Florentine met, because Florentine himself started out working on Power Rangers-related things oh, in the late 90s okay. and early 2000s, working as like action director and stunt coordinator sense, yeah. as well. And like the older I get, the more I'm like... Oh, I'm gonna get really into Power Rangers one day. I know it's the <laughs> saddest thing in the world, but like, I, I just, it, I completely passed me by as a kid. I was like, ah, yeah, me too. And then I watched the Isaac Florentine, like, uh, credited on Letterbox. I think it's like a 30-minute Power Rangers special. It's like okay. from early, early 2000s. I was like, well, I like Isaac Florentine. Yeah, yeah. I like things like Super Inframan, which are obviously incredibly influential right. on um, Power Rangers. And I watched it and I was like, yeah, this is good. I like this. Never mind. <laughs> so, yeah, any sort of silly project which is backed by really talented and professional coordinators and choreographers, I'm going to be all in on. So at one point, I'll probably bring some sort of Power Rangers related nonsense to the podcast and we'll sit down and talk about it. But... Uh, Akihiro Noguchi is definitely one of the reasons why I think this movie works as well as it does. Because if you don't have that really well coordinated action at the at the forefront of most of the movie, you're left with like a relatively sort of like silly genre mix up. But you add in that really sort of propulsive action sequences throughout, and you just get Cold Harvest, which I think is just a really really stellar ninety minute sort of blast. It really is, and I think that's like the the kind of the joy of discovering and always looking for more action stuff to explore is that you get mm -hmm. so many different kind of avenues to do that. Like you can obviously look at something like Cold Harvest, and then you can explore Isaac Florentine's filmography, or you can look at like you said the the stunt director and be like, mm -hmm. all right, how who is the one you know choreographing these action sequences and how can i find more of his work or just the performers themselves and yeah. it, it gives you so many ways to kind of find new things that you probably would never have discovered otherwise i think it's uh, kind of the the joy of discovering action films but yeah i think gary daniels and brian uh how what am i gonna go what am i gonna land on brian genesee Janice, <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm Brian. If you're listening, please. I'm so sorry, but I think both of them have um, very fun performances and, and, and great physical performances in them as, as well, creating that um, a, a compelling hero-villain dynamic, which is yeah, they lean into in, it really well. Yeah, it's sort of enriched by again that ballistic style of hand-to-hand -hand combat and those like shootouts which are leaning on like almost parody homage sort of levels like the the final showdown of the movie there is just a complete direct reference to the good the bad the ugly with like the standoff the showdown right with like the, the sergio leone like pull-ins to the faces and the hands at the uh at the holsters there and then they pull out seemingly like i don't know if it's the lens they're using but they these like comically large revolvers they almost <laughs> look like it's great yeah I, I think the the performances they do all have such a great ability to lean into the the silliness of it but they're not like playing it like a comedy or anything it's it's definitely a 
very serious while also knowing kind of the the style of the film and the the silliness of the um, sort of sci-fi western that they're in and you know you've got Brian Genesee kind of leaning into the it's very silly that my character's name is Little Ray but I'm going to be as, <laughs> as menacing as I possibly oh, can yeah. be despite I'm it gonna, and, I'm going to own it absolutely and the, yeah, the, the rivalry between them and Gary Daniels playing himself and his like <laughs> his twin brother nerdy twin brother yeah like <laughs> just him with uh, yeah, glasses no. on and we said earlier like barbara crampton's here barbara crampton's having having a good time she doesn't really have like a ton to do in the movie i think she's a lot of these sort of like uh, emotional heft yeah and just playing off of gary daniels um and gary daniels he's a he's a, he's a fine enough actor i think he, he's a better martial artist than he is actor i think he stumbles over a, a couple of important beats but for the most part i think he, he delivers a strong leading man performance here yeah definitely i think barbara crampton's so great because she's the stuff that she has been in before this it's like you definitely she's she definitely understands the assignment so to speak you know she <laughs> yeah if you've, once you've been in from beyond and reanimator and castle freak it's castle like you, freak you can, and <laughs> robot wars you know right. your, you know your market you know you your know demographic to, here. you know how to ham it up for the the sci-fi western you know the b-movie stuff it's Mm-hmm. It's a great cast of characters for sure. They everyone definitely knows exactly what they're doing. It's it's a blast of a film. Yeah, it's a, it's fun just bringing these these staples of a of a world I really wasn't familiar with, say ten years ago, and just being like, wow, they're working together. Gary Daniels, who is this this cool martial artist guy, and Barbara Crampton, who is like such a figurehead of like weirdo cult eighties horror. And they're in the same yeah. movie. Oh, it's directed by the guy who does all those awesome DTV movies and uh, like boxing movies and MMA stuff. Awesome. And it's just like a perfect storm for me of just like, this movie knows exactly what it is and it delivers just exactly what it needs to. Yeah. Like, there's so yeah. many different elements of action here. Like those, I think I said on my letterbox review, like full force fisticuffs and like warehouse shootouts. It's just... It's a solid blend of like different elements that I really, really appreciate, and it's in a concise and like savvy genre pastiche almost. You get all these action, these kind of DTV action staples of of stuff that you expect from these this particular brand of action mm-hmm. movies, but it's wrapped in a package that's very unusual that you don't see. Like you, with a lot of that that DTV stuff, you don't get this kind of unique like well-produced kind of genre cinema alongside it. No. Um, it it is mostly just stuff like you know more like the undisputeds or the avengements yeah, where it's very rooted it's so in, much, in what you've seen already it's so much easier to concentrate all your efforts solely on di- directing dialogue directing narrative and directing mainly the focus is the action Whereas to put all three of those things into a, a well-realized genre world that's based on real sets and have yeah. to be designed, it's not like, say, Mario Warfare, which we talked about, is basically just finding somewhere you can rent for a couple of weeks right. and just using that as a location. Whereas this is, like again, purposely designing a world for this, these, these, this story to take place in. And sure, it is a, a blend of different silly things, but I think the... Uh, the way it's treated with like respect and whatever it just yeah. it just comes across so much better i think yeah because there are like a th- there's probably a thousand movies like cold harvest that don't do it 
like quite as well just right. take, like really ham it up or just like know that they're working with just very sort of like loose materials and loose tools whereas this like sure they know what they're doing but it comes across really well yeah i think often when you get this kind of stuff it's not as as earnestly put together i think there's real like heart behind the camera here i think a lot of kind of stuff that you would see similar to this where it's kind of like all right this one's kind of be more of a sci-fi angle to it it's mm-hmm. it's very kind of lazily put together it looks bad and it just like you don't you can tell that nobody really cares that it's sci-fi at its core but this is yeah. very much like it's it's put together very well and the world is very well realized and there is even though like the narrative itself is a little bit like convoluted yeah. unnecessarily yeah. it's like you can tell that there is a a lore written into it and that the world is yeah. is very realized and that there's there's stories that you haven't heard kind of outside of the the narrative I'd, w- the I'd watch itself. i'd watch a, a tv miniseries or right. cold harvest i'd watch like two sequels of this i'd read the, the, the prequel comic book like this is a it's a fun world it's not necessarily a fantastically uh, like innovative world but it's it's a fun world to be in for 90 minutes at a time absolutely it's 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 definitely the the what shines about dtv action is that these when you have people that do care a lot about what they're putting together and you can really realize something very unique and interesting and cool because it's like there's not as many people paying attention from like the the studio standpoint you know they they get financing for something like this and they can kind of just do whatever they want with it there's not a lot of people putting a pressure or control on it and so you get the mm-hmm. the cool creative freedom for stuff like this which is i think what we both find a lot in for for this particular brand of cinema absolutely i just find it inc- incredibly endearing and um, yeah yeah watching this for for the second time again i, I watched it the uh, i think it was about uh, january february for the first time this year okay um and then brought it to this because i was like yeah i want to just like solidify the fact that i think this is actually really really good it is uh, and yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm pleased to walk away and be like yeah no i i, I really like this movie i think it's 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 very confident what it's doing and it, it just it knows exactly what it wants to do yeah it is it is very confident that's that's cold harvest right there that's cold harvest cold stone classic so, Vaughn, what are we going to be talking about on the next episode? I am very excited to be bringing this to our next episode. Jack, there is a new movie coming out. Well, what will oh. be this month when this is releasing? This I month, know what this, yep. <laughs> this yep. month, John Woo's Silent Night is yeah. releasing, and so I thought yeah. we've got to talk about John Woo. Yes, okay, cool. So, awesome. But where? Which area of John Woo? <laughs> I thought, why not talk about a John Woo movie alongside another favorite that not a lot of people have heard of. So let's talk about Hard Target and Hard Target 2 starring Scott Adkins. Yes, perfect. This has been on my private list of throwdown ideas for months now of being like, we need to do a double bill. So do you want to do like all in one episode or do you want to split it into two episodes? What are you thinking? I think it's going to be all in one episode. So this is kind of something we kind of briefly discussed when talking about the show is talking mm-hmm. about kind of brief series or franchises and we'll talk about those so i think it'll be probably Perfect. a slightly longer episode to talk about yeah these probably two double films, up but the, the runtime but yeah hard target and hard target 2 directed by roll Rene. Rene, yeah i think so who is another dtv uh, staple who i've like i've seen a bit from and i like 
I like one or two of his movies and have seen some of his other ones. So I think he's <laughs> an interesting figure to talk about. But John Woo, yes, Silent Night's coming out. And what way to celebrate than going through some Jean-Claude Van Damme punching a snake in the head Absolutely. cinema. Absolutely. So we will be back next week to talk about the hard target films. And then, Jack, do you want to plug before we sign off? Yeah, so you can follow us on Letterboxd, X slash Twitter, Blue Sky. All of those links are in the description of this podcast. Um, We're also in several different Discord servers where you can talk to us uh, about all things cinema. Um, But yeah, if you ever want to suggest a movie or a director or actor to cover on the podcast, just slip into those Twitter DMs or message us however you can. Please make sure to check out thetwingeeks.com for all your cinema-related news and podcasts and features as well. And we'll be back next week to talk about Hard Target and Hard Target 2. Okay, see you next week, Vaughn. See you.